0: Yo, what's good everybody, it's Noah Alvarez and you are tuned into the Mike and I podcast, episode 70 of the show. Want to thank every single one of you for the support, whether you are a day one listener or just just started listening to the show. I got much love for every single one of y'all. Really quick before we get into things, do want to shout out to Generic Sports for producing the instrumental in the background. Check out more of his work on soundcloud twitter instagram just search generic sports he's been producing and posting a lot of beats on those social medias also shout out to vince correa he's the man who designed the my mike and i logo that you are seeing on your screen uh, very dope logo much love to him good news if you're a dallas cowboys fan ezekiel elliott got paid he became the highest paid running back after receiving a six-year 90 million dollar extension And really, the Cowboys had no other option here. I know they had to pay Cooper. I know they have to pay Dak too still. And I know they just gave extensions to Lyle Collins, Jalen Smith. But Zeke is that bread and butter to that Cowboys offense. Really keeps that team going. We saw it a few years ago when Zeke was suspended. He was playing, then he wasn't playing. That offense wasn't the same. Dak Prescott wasn't the same. So... I know the Cowboys were in a long, long kind of negotiation phase with Ezekiel Elliott, but eventually you knew they were going to have to cave in because Ezekiel Elliott, one of the best running backs, and he really gets this uh, Dallas Cowboys offense going. Now, speaking of other big paydays, Jared Goff, quarterback of the Los Angeles Rams, he got paid very handsomely as well this past week. Four years, $134 million, a record $110 million guaranteed now that doesn't seem like a, a lot for you know if you follow the NBA or you follow the MLB contracts that they've been receiving Mike Trout and and all these guys in the NBA that are receiving huge contracts but nonetheless Goff setting setting records and now with Goff I'm I'm not going to hate him yet just yet I I don't hate him but and this is a big butt here not a not a big butt <laughs> a key butt here I need to see more from him this season in 2019. I just didn't like the way he ended 2018. He still left a lot of question marks for me. Now, there isn't as many question marks as I have for Marcus Mariota, Jameis Winston, and other guys in the court that are starting quarterbacks in the NFL. But I still do have question marks surrounding. Jared Goff, because when Todd Gurley went down, and he was injured, and the run game wasn't as effective, especially in those playoffs, and especially against those New England, New England Patriots in the Super Bowl, you didn't see Jared Goff kind of really be able to turn it up a whole another level, that you see the Tom Brady's, that you see the Big Ben Roethlisberger's, that you see the Patrick Mahomes ready, and that you see these other quarterbacks where, okay, run game's not going, offensive line's maybe not doing the great, greatest at creating holes, but... If I'm an elite quarterback and I'm going to get paid as such, I'm going to be able to pick apart a part of defense, read coverages, and be able to throw 45 times a game and, and complete you know, more than 60% of my passes. It just, I didn't see that from Goff last season, especially in the Super Bowl when I wanted to see that. So I'll definitely be keeping a close eye on Derek Goff, who will face off the first week of the year, week one, against my Carolina Panthers. Get excited. NFL season right around the corner, baby. Week one let's see what else happened over this past week? Oh, college football, College football kicked off last Saturday. Actually, it kicked off two weeks ago with that Miami Florida week week zero technically. But it's exciting. I'm I'm super excited to have college football back in our lives. We already had some big upsets. We already had some some really big key matchups. Oregon Auburn was a ton of fun. I know if you you know bet against the spread or if you took the under in that spread, I know you're pretty upset that Auburn was able to score that last minute touchdown. Nonetheless, college football being back, man, it's a beautiful thing. Saturdays, don't bother me. Sundays, don't bother me. Football season, don't bother me unless it's an emergency. (laughs) Also, baseball. Baseball is starting to heat up as well. Both the Yankees and the Dodgers closing in on 100 wins. Still almost, you know, the entire month of September to go at the time of this recording. Recording in November, not November, Jesus, September 6th. Um, So there's still a good amount of time left, and I think both of them are probably going to hit that 100-win mark. Um, They're solidifying themselves as the two best teams in baseball. And, uh, yeah, I I think that's enough for the sports update. Don't want to, like, overwhelm y'all with sports. Now to the life updates. Let's see. Do I have anything? Okay, yes. Um, As I've said before in previous episodes, it's been a a wild and hectic ride this summer, for sure. Um, I'm not going to dive too much into it. Just because I don't need to like be sharing that all all that information again and again each episode, you can go back and listen to other episodes. Nonetheless, good news for me is I started working at the Boys and Girls Club again this school year. It just started last Wednesday. And I gotta say, man, working with the kids is for sure a humbling experience. I don't even know if humbling's the right word for it, but it's just a great freaking experience. Cause when I'm working with the kids, I'm just I'm just able to leave all my outside problems at the door and just bond with the kids for the few hours of a day right even if it's three four hours of the day it's just been so great for my mental psyche as far as relaxing me and not allowing me to overthink about all these different things i have to get done i'm just really able to live in the moment and, and teach these kids something valuable whether it's sports related life related academics related Man, I'm truly blessed to be working in such an environment like that, and I'm extremely grateful to have this kind of opportunity, especially kind of keep me level-headed. A friendly reminder, this podcast is available on SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Apple, and of course the Big Heads Podcast Network, which is home to many great podcasts like the Body Count Podcast. So here's a quick commercial describing their show. While you may think that history is eh, vaguely interesting, the truth is it's fun and metal AF. Echoes of the past are still reverberating through our world today and Body Count is here to show you how our shared history affects your life on the daily, whether you know it or not. So. Are you past the point of higher education? Feel like you didn't learn anything from your high school history teacher? Or just didn't give a flying crap about it?
1: Are you tired of always missing out on the yellow history pie piece in Trivial Pursuit?
0: Are you the horror of all your friends' game nights?
1: Did you once proudly announce that
0: Napoleon Bonaparte was a super short little nut sack? When in reality, he was an average-sized nut sack. Have you been thinking about living under a faulty dam? or perhaps an active volcano well we have good news it's not too late for you or your homeowner's insurance come on over and listen to body count the podcast that explores death and disaster through the ages with only
1: one rule someone or usually a lot of someone's
0: dies because history doesn't repeat itself it rhymes
1: a proud member of the msc podcast network
0: Boom, Noah Alvarez back in action. On this week's episode of the show, episode 70 of My Mike and I, I bring on my friend Dominic to talk about the biggest NFL headlines this last season, including Andrew Luck, Ezekiel Elliott, Melvin Gordon, and such. Um, how fans can get carried away at games and how we're, you know, I actually compare fandom to religion. And then um, we also both want to work in the football industry. So we chat about our goals. And how we're gonna get there. It's a very fun and relaxing convo. I worked with Dominic a while back actually at the Boys and Girls Club. And I remember, you know, when he when he told me he had big aspirations to work in the NFL, um, we immediately clicked and I, I've always kind of wanted to have him on the show. Really fun conversation, like I said. So, anyways, without further ado, hope y'all enjoy the conversation I had between Dominic and I. As I do with everyone, thanks for hopping on, Dominic. Really appreciate you. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. So, obviously, you work with the Chargers, and I know you don't have any inside information, but Melvin Gordon, obviously a huge topic this offseason, as well as Ezekiel Elliott for the Dallas Cowboys. How do you feel about running backs holding out and just any player in general holding out?
1: When it comes to these topics, I have a two-sided opinions. I have the player side, and then I have you know, the business side. On the player side, you know I agree with you. It's like, yeah, hold out, get your money, you want your injuries. I mean, you want your money because of the injuries, Mm -hmm. you want your future to be secured, um, and you feel like you're worth more than you're getting right now. So that's how I agree with you. On the business side, it's kind of like, well, I I agree with the owners, too. It's like, why do you think you are worth that? And like, well, you have an injury history like Melvin does. Mm -hmm. It's like, we can't afford you. So on that side, I agree. Um, I think Zeke will get signed. I do. I think Jerry Jones will pay it up. Chargers have a history of not really paying their, yeah. his, you know, their players. Um, also, Rivers has their contract up in next year, two years. Mm-hmm. So they're definitely going to pay him. So they're probably waiting on him to pay them that money. Um, also, they've been winning without Gordon, you know, last year. They won 10 games straight still. Mm-hmm. So I think Gordon will not be signed. I think he'll probably go to another team. I don't know what team. Texans right now looks kind of good. Yeah. Warren Miller got hurt. Right. So that looks kind of good. Um, but we'll see. But... When players hold out, I think they have the right to hold out, mm-hmm. you know? You know, they, they want to secure their future. You know, like, injuries do happen. It's a violent game. Mm-hmm. So they want to get their money. Um, some players think they're worth more than they are, but that's the nature of the game right there.
0: Yeah. I definitely applaud guys like Ezekiel, especially even uh, Le'Veon Bell we saw in the past, right? Because those guys were, like, probably you could say they were the best at the time at that position. Yeah. And so they definitely deserve to get paid as such. Um, and Melvin Gordon, I, I feel like he's top 10. Maybe mm-hmm. I don't want to say he's top five in the NFL right now, but he's he's still up there. He's still a very valuable back. I just feel like running back right now, we saw it with the Chiefs when they lost um, Kareem Hunt, mm-hmm. but then Brandon Williams kind of stepped in and they still had an oh, effective exactly. running game. So I just feel like running backs have very little leverage to hold out compared to any other oh, position. Exactly, yeah. Because, you know, the, the backup offensive lineman is nowhere near as good as like a quality, really good starter, um, you know, lefting, left tackle, left guard, any kind of that. Same thing with a quarterback, you know. Most backup quarterbacks aren't that great. But I feel like running backs, especially with the offensive coordinators and the schemes and everything, they just, you almost can kind of plug and play. And, like, if you have a good running back with some good vision and, and, you know, some breakaway speed and some good, you know, even if it's not the elite stuff like Ezekiel Ellett has, you could still have an effective running attack. And if you have a great quarterback like Patrick Mahomes or even, you know, somebody else like that where they can kind of carry the load, Phillip Rivers for being an example. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's it's really just plug and play because you you said you mentioned it. Austin Eckler, Justin Jackson, those guys weren't scrubs last year. Oh yeah, they had really good good games. Yeah,
1: and they're they're playing good right now. Mm -hmm. Watching them preseason, you know, they're doing good.
0: And it's it's cheap, like you said. It's all business. So you know, those. Unfortunately, it sucks for those guys like Melvin Gordon because they do want to get played. And you always see the comparison from other sports, right? Like the MLB players are getting huge contracts, NBA players as well, and then these NFL players. Are kind of like devalued. They don't have as many as much leverage when it comes to getting those big contracts. Obviously, there's a bigger roster, Mm -hmm. and and the the sharing and stuff like that isn't the same as the other sports. All CBA
1: rules too. Mm -hmm. It's unlimited in baseball and basketball, but
0: football there's a cap. Exactly. So it, it just it's unfortunate, but like I don't know. I feel like running backs have the very least position or the least leverage. Out of all the positions, yeah, because you see other, you know, quarterbacks or you know other receivers holding out and stuff like that. Usually, they kind of fold because it is hard to find a caliber receiver like the Julio Jones or the DeAndre Hopkins or the defensive ends of J. Jadavion J- Clowney that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But running backs, it's kind of like plug and play. I don't know it's 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 tough for them.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with that
0: because times have changed too. You
1: know, like running backs aren't what they are. used to be ten or two or decades ago. Mm-hmm. You know, like Coach Bill said, the best. You know, next man up. Mm-hmm. And now we're seeing this handcuff system a lot, so yeah, there's a lot of teams with valuable backs who can get the job done. Mm-hmm. There's very few teams that have the zeeks, the Gordons, the bells um so we're kind of seeing this dying breed of those kind of players mm-hmm. you know, so it's a tough market for running backs these days, mm-hmm. you know they definitely not get the money they deserve, you know, but they're they're cap i mean they're uh playing time so limited like right. 10 year cat that's it maybe yeah if that. if that you know the average is three and a half years mm-hmm. but running backs these days can only get be solid or be solid for about four years mm-hmm. unless you you're know? Frank Gore <laughs> yeah it's Frank Gore man guy, <laughs> I love Frank Gore I'm a niner guy too so see that guy play and keep playing he's not as good as he used to be but right. like, he has like 10 to 12 years a consecutive thousand yards run running.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, I think he's guy. already in the top five of most rushing yards ever too and if he just keeps his pace up for like three more years. Yeah, so he'll he, be yeah. like the top rusher, yeah. which is crazy to think about because he was never like the best running back like right. of the league at one time, but, you know, he just was consistent. Yeah, yeah,
1: he got the yards, got the touch. He did what he had to do, mm-hmm. you know. Like, he was not a complainer too. No. I never once heard him talk about, I want more money or holding out. He's wanted to play and then mm-hmm. just, he's wanted to play. That's all he wanted to do. Yeah. He was great. That's what's beautiful. Loved how he ran.
0: Mm-hmm. So you also mentioned Phillip Rivers too earlier because he does need to get paid. Mm-hmm. How long do you, because you know Philip Rivers is kind of one of those older breed of quarterbacks mm-hmm. like the Drew Brees, Tom Brady. How much longer do you really expect Philip Rivers to be playing for?
1: Let's see. How old is he? Like thirty seven. He's, he's thirty seven years. Thirty seven. Yeah, so his so, yes, contract's up in two years, be thirty nine. I bet. I bet he could pull a Brady. Mm-hmm. You know, I bet he go until to like forty five. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if the will extend him for an extra six years. They'll probably keep having him on. Like actually, two actually deals. Actually, probably will. Actually, probably want to retire as a Charger, so maybe they'll have him be on five, six more years, retire like that way, mm-hmm. and see how he feels along the way. But I think he'll definitely get paid. He's gonna be a Charger's entire his entire life. So that's probably what they're thinking. Yeah, with no Melvin doubt. And other contracts too. Mm-hmm. So I think he'll go until forty-five.
0: Yeah, you know? it's a tough decision too. Like as an owner or GM when you have to pay those guys too because they are older and there are a lot of young quarterbacks that I'm sure are coming out of the draft and that kind of stuff but at the same time like the, the you don't want it, you want to be like loyal to a player that's done a lot for you and like Philip Rivers is one of those guys You've okay. you see seen with the Giants and Eli Manning right mm-hmm. even though he's kind of like you know definitely past his prime and maybe shouldn't be a starter anymore they still got a lot of love for him in New York and they kind of wanted to be his team still so it's yeah. definitely like it's definitely tough to be in those kind of shoes like yeah. with, that, with that kind of situation. Yeah.
1: A quick side note on that from Eli. I thought Daniel Jones is doing quite well, actually. Yeah. yeah, it's funny. So
0: all those haters that booed
1: him when he got drafted, mm-hmm. I, feel, I would apologize if I was a fan for the Giants <laughs> guys because he's actually doing quite well. He looks good. Mm-hmm. He looks
0: good. It is just preseason, so it, it is did really tell. Yeah. But yeah, I like seeing that. New York fans are just rough in general. I don't know if you follow basketball yeah. too much, but I remember they booed Christoph Porzingis when they the Knicks drafted him. Uh, you know like four or five years ago and he turned out to be like one of the greatest players they've seen in the last decade for the Knicks and then they ended up trading him but oh, wow. you know I mean it's just it, yeah it's just that East Coast rough yeah kind of, they they're very hard on their teams they're and,
1: passionate that's what it is they're just passionate players mm-hmm. I mean fans yeah but yeah but did you hear about the what the Giants coach said about Daniel Jones maybe a couple of weeks ago
0: no what do you think
1: he's just like I do not want to see Daniel Jones take the field this year really
0: yeah he's like he's a starter I do not want to see Daniel Jones take the field I'm Like, oh damn. And I think if more teams had that kind of like luxury of doing so, they would, Mm -hmm. because that's how I think how players used to, you know, quarterbacks used to get kind of get eased into it. They never, not you didn't see a lot of rookie quarterbacks starting, but with the like the scarcity of like elite quarterbacks now in the NFL, I think teams are now like forced to throw rookies in right away. Mm -hmm. But I mean, look at Patrick Mahomes. He got a year to sit behind Alex Smith, who's not. I wouldn't say he's elite, but he's really good. Mm-hmm. And I think that year, like of development and just sitting behind Alex Smith, especially a guy like him because he's really smart, I think that really helped Patrick Mahomes. And who knows, you know, I think only Patrick Mahomes, you know, can say to oh. the full extent of how much he had an impact of like sitting that first year. Oh, absolutely. But I think it's beneficial for everybody because to be 21, 22, quarterback's the hardest position. You, you have to know so many things, and there's so many defensive coordinators out there that can you know throw different many looks. I think it's beneficial to have you know guys like rookies, Absolutely. rookie quarterbacks, especially to to, to sit if yeah, they can.
1: I agree with that too. Um, I mean, Aaron Rodgers did that. Yeah, I mean, Brett Favre. Right. It, yeah. You know? <laughs> And uh, Daniel Jones, I mean, despite what you think about Eli Manning, you could learn from him still. You know, he still has two rule rings under him. He's yeah. great experience still. So he's, he's, still, still he's still a Manning. He's still a Manning. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you can still learn on your system under a year to be further developed into mm-hmm. the league. So I agree with those decisions usually.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Because if you look, there's a lot of quarterbacks you could say too that were thrusted into starting positions too early. Mm-hmm. They struggled early on and they just mess with their psyche. You know what yeah. I mean? I, I look at, like, Marcus Mariota, who's still in the league and, and like, you know, I'm not talking too bad on him right now, yeah. but like he looked he struggles, right? Yeah. Jameis Winston. Yeah. And same it's be battle
1: too with Ryan Tannehill now. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. So like I think if they had the opportunity to sit one year and then kinda of learn from someone, whether it was a you know, a veteran or not, I think that would be beneficial for especially the guys on the fringe. I mean, I think we saw also John to Blank on his name. Brock Osweiler didn't start right away, but you know, he struggled mm-hmm. too yeah. when he was thrusted in his rookie year and and he got paid for just doing a little bit, right? Yeah, you know, in certain rookie quarterbacks, I oh, always struck, Nathan Peterman was another one too. Oh yeah, kind of watch him crash and burn, right? Like yeah. really quickly, and who knows if he can even bounce back from like, an, a, yeah. a start of a career like that. But sad? Who, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was
1: gonna say sad happened to uh, Andrew Luck. Not sad, but shocking.
0: Yes, very yeah. shocking. I was actually in a movie theater when I heard the news, and I was watching um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And that's like a huge long movie. I don't know if you've like yeah. watched it yet, but oh, yeah. it's, it's like two two hours and like twenty minutes, and it was like probably not even an hour minute in, and I I saw the notification on my phone really quick, and I was like like what, and then I and I saw a few more pop up like immediately after, and I was just like oh my god, like went to the restroom really quick just to, like make sure you know because every time every once in a while there'll be like a fake news story that right. just gets circulated, but it was it was really shocking for me at least because he is twenty nine years old, he is like. You know, he's Payne Manning's successor, right, the Mm -hmm. heir for the Indianapolis Colts. He he really led them through a lot and and put them probably a lot better than they should have been those first five or six years of his career because he didn't have much help, right? He didn't have a great offensive line. He only had T.Y. Hilton, never really had a great running back. And then last year, they finally were putting it all together for him. But it just, you know, I, I think what it goes to show is that He's a, he was an injured guy. He had a lot of injuries in this yeah. last injury with those uh, lower leg, calf, mm-hmm. and ankle injury that he had this offseason. I, I just think it was more serious than the Colts were saying. And I think Andrew Luck was probably tired of getting injured. Oh, yeah. And, you know, because, like I said, this isn't that just a bad team that he quit on. This was, like, a really good team on the up and up. Let's say something happens to the Patriots and the Chiefs, the Colts are probably that next team to, like, be the favorite of the AFC. So it was really shocking for sure.
1: Oh, yeah. I, I was um, actually in the Charger. Like our little break room when we all got the news right before pregame started. So like everyone's phones went off. And we're like, Oh my God, is this serious? Like <laughs> yeah. he quit. Like, oh, we gotta go though. So we had to do team intros. But then now we're on the field and we can literally see fans look down and like they're all showing each other. Mm-hmm. Then like the shows on the jumbo screen, the news update. Yeah. It's like it was a big shock. Mm-hmm. It was a big shock. Um I do support it though. Mm-hmm. You know, I I, I vet it's like once all that cleared up, um, I finally watched his press interview. And so I listened to it and I was like, actually a sports decision. Mm Like he went out on his own way. He was mentally worn down because his injuries. Mm -hmm. His love for the game and just his overall happiness was diminished. Mm -hmm. And I'm a big believer in, you know, find your own happiness. If you're not happy anymore, you gotta stop what you're doing and change Mm -hmm. it up. So even though we love Andrew Luck, he's a great guy. Like there's nothing but positive things to say about him. Mm -hmm. Um, he had to hang it up and I think it's was a great decision. It really was because he made a decision for himself. Right, exactly. You
0: know I, mean? I think initially it shocked me for sure. But then when I, once I had like a day or two to think about it, I wasn't too surprised, you know, because he's – Andrew Luck's probably one of the, the, the smartest quarterbacks, not just like on the football field, but just, you know, he went to Stanford. And, and he's when you hear him talk in press conferences and that kind of stuff, he's very smart off the football field as well. So, you know, he he's definitely like – he definitely gave it some thought. I'm sure he has like other business ventures that he'd like to, you know, start start doing and start get the ball rolling on especially you know at this age yeah. I just think you know like you said he he got worn down mentally and mm-hmm. physically I think that had a large dude a large part of the decision that he came up with yeah. but Andrew looks a smart guy so I feel like you know whatever he does whether it's like investing in some kind of business or you know okay. starting up something or you know getting into technology or even if it's just like getting into you know like readings and stuff like that absolutely or commentating yeah i think you could do like anything the world is really like kind of like open arms i really was kind of disgusted to see like the the colts fans booing Mm -hmm. him that the after the game and he was walking off the field just kind of seeing that because i think people can be really too harsh and we there's a lot of times where we just think of football players as like oh there's these we're almost dehumanizing, them, right? They're just these people for entertainment. And if you can't play for us on our fantasy teams, and if you can't play for us on Sundays, and, and you know, like we invest so much money to these teams and stuff like that, well, then screw you, then, right? And they have that attitude, and just seeing that was kind of like hurting, because I know Andrew Luck was hurting, uh, hurt, uh, hurt by the fans booing at him and stuff like that. So that's just, I think sometimes, like I said, we just dehumanize players, which is kind of sad because. Andrew Luck is a person too he wants to spend time with his family he wants to do other things outside of football he's a smart guy like I said he doesn't have to play football to make a living for the rest of his life exactly you know he has he could do other things it's,
1: it's so cold hearted when I, when I see fans do that you know mm-hmm. because Andrew Luck has given everything to this organization to fans mm-hmm. you know and kind of shows that fans or people only care about winning mm-hmm. you know I understand it's, it's sports it's competition winning is everything in that, in that sense but at the same time there's a the human aspect to it too mm-hmm. you know he's a great guy and for fans just to boo him like that after actually that 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 was before his press conference. That's, that's probably, right. Yeah. So that's probably before people understood why and kinda of like his side. But but still, you know, like everyone knew his thought process, everyone knew his ups and downs with injuries. Mm-hmm. And just as a human standpoint, you gotta feel for the guy. You gotta have some kind of sympathy. Mm-hmm. But people just booed him, people were already taking the jerseys off. I'm not surprised that people already start burning his jerseys. Yeah. Because like that's a thing now people are doing if a player you disagree with moves, trades or does mm-hmm. whatever. So, I don't like seeing that, but you know, they're fans, you yeah. can't control what fans do, um, but piggyback on what you're saying about um, Andrew Luck on future business adventures, yeah, he's a smart guy, so, and he has the means to do so now, you know, mm-hmm. he made a nice living in the NFL, and I don't know if you heard, but um, since his retirement, he was owed $25 million to give back to the organization, the mm-hmm. organization said, no, keep it. Yeah, you know? I thought that was a really nice move. That's, that's a really nice move, you know, mm-hmm. I think it's well-deserved and well-earned for Andrew Luck too, and... So he's a guy who could do whatever he wants now. He can use that money to support his family or mm-hmm. just be this his family, kind of just literally retire and he'll, he'll be good mm-hmm. or just reinvest that in something else. So mm-hmm. his future is still bright. It really is. And you never know. He's still young, too. Yeah. He turns 29, years 30, old. Hey, 29, turns 30 next month. Even on football terms, that's that's ancient. Mm-hmm. But he can always come back. You know, he can have the Brett Favre effect. Always good, yeah. you know?
0: <laughs> yeah, So that's very true. Yeah. I saw a meme on Twitter of someone, like someone just tweeted basically saying like, you know, uh, conspiracy theory mcdaniels because you remember how i don't know if you remember josh McDaniels was supposed to be the head coach of the indianapolis colts then he mm. backed out of it but it was like mcdaniels went to tell andrew luck to retire and then when tom brady retires the patriots are going to snag andrew luck and then have like you know 10 more years of uh, mm. you know ownership of the league and i just thought that was funny and you know people yeah. come up with funny stuff when yeah. events like this happen but also you know on a more serious note too because i i didn't like we talk about the fans but there's a lot of like media analysts and people who are on TV and people who are on the radios and people just have platforms to talk about sports who were just really bashing him and saying like oh this was the most millennial thing that Andrew luck could do or you know what I mean yeah I've i just haven't heard that i just saw some really bad takes i forgot the name of the guy but he's on fox sports 1 um and it's just just seeing stuff like that too is really bad too because like i said People just want to get mad at everything and find a reason to bash anybody, like anybody for any right. given reason, which is kind of sad because Andrew Luck, he, he took personal interest in himself. He took, like, this decision was for his best interest. Exactly. Uh, and I think that's kind of, like, wrong for someone just to kind of attack what, the decision he made for himself, you yeah.
1: know? He, he, yeah, I don't agree with that either. I mean, these football players put those bodies through, through hell, pretty much, you know? Like, they get injured all the time and mentally worn down. Like, they're, they're so passionate about what they do— and when they keep getting hurt and they can't do what they love anymore, it makes them unhappy yeah. anymore. And I don't think anyone has the right to tell Andrew Luck or other players, oh, what are you doing is selfish. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, you're not doing it either. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. You know, So it's like, how can you tell me how to live my life? Like, I'm losing my happiness. You want me to continue being unhappy just to make you happy or make your job more entertaining just to report about me? Mm-hmm. It's like, no, that's not right. You know? Yeah. But that's kind of a common theme now. you just like get away from sports a little bit but just when it comes to media it's like they only want to report negative stuff Mm -hmm. you know nothing's ever positive or it always has to be like a negative twist to things Mm -hmm. you know so i don't really agree with that but so i don't work for fox news i guess
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's tough it's like i learned the term it's called like attack journalism right just always wanting to be angry at something and then even when you interview someone it's always like in an attacking manner instead of like asking them open-ended questions and kind of letting them, right. like, you know, speak their opinions. I feel like a lot of times media people now, they're just, like, they're, they're trying to get their worst out of you, trying to make you angry, and then, like, feed off that anger and, you know, right. kind of go right down this rabbit hole. And right. it's, it's definitely tough, but, you know, props to Andrew Luck. I wanted to transition this, though, because injuries are more and more of a concern of football. Both of us played football, you know, mm-hmm. through high school, and there's a lot more information about CTE than there mm-hmm. ever has been before. NFL and former players are, you know, kind of going back and forth as far as like, hey, I'm suffering from all these different injuries and you have different players coming out with injuries and stuff like that. And the NFL is kind of like, oh, we don't know what to do with that kind of thing. I wanted to ask you the question one more personal, though, knowing all that we know now about concussions and head injuries, would you still consider playing football? I would. Yes. Yeah.
1: Um, I love football. It's, it's my passion. It's my love. One of my biggest regrets in my life is not continuing to play football. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would still play if I had kids. I would still encourage you know him to play. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of those things where like you you know the risk going in. Mm-hmm. So if we're willing to make peace with that and understand that and still willing to do that, then 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 so be it. Mm-hmm. That that's just me. I know a lot of people have changed their minds on that. I know Terry Bradshaw said if I had a son, I will not let him play football. Mm-hmm. I mean that means a lot you know that that's huge yeah. to think about you know it's Terry a great Brash- stealer, yeah, yeah 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 Terry Brosh is saying that about his own son if, if he had one he would not encourage him to play um but with me i'm different um well of course it's gonna be a choice of my son or child if they want to play ball or not but mm-hmm. me personally i would still want to play and i would play still yes mm-hmm. even though knowing the concussion things because when i play I never, I never got a concussion mm-hmm. you know thank god i, I was running back too wow. so yes yeah, so i was getting you know, hit all around. I was <laughs> taking the hits. I was giving the hits. I played for seven years. Not once have I gone a concussion. So mm-hmm. just based off that fact, for my, for my personal self, mm-hmm. I would still play or would have played. Yes.
0: Mm-hmm. For me, it was... For me, I have a little different point of view just because I don't regret playing football at all. I think given this second opportunity, I would still play football. But just seeing, like, my dad, he grew up playing football in the, you know, the 70s and 80s. He graduated in the early 80s. So... A lot less technology back then. The helmets were a lot shittier. I'm sure you know athletic directors and coaches knew much less about concussions than they do now. But I know he's su- he's starting to suffer from a lot of the CTE symptoms. Mm-hmm. And seeing that firsthand, that from the memory loss to the mood swings to the, you know everything, the loss of like certain hand-eye coordination things. It's it's almost really scary because you hear about it from the movies or and you hear about it from different like stories of like Junior Seau and um, the court Vince Mc- not Vince McMahon, the quarterback from the Chicago Bears of the '85. Uh, Super Bowl winning team, but you know, you just mm-hmm. hear different players right in different interviews. They talk about some of the effects and okay, you hear about it, but you don't really experience it firsthand. For me to experience my dad going through all this stuff, that has me kind of frightened. I was never diagnosed with a concussion officially, but when I learned more and more about concussions and I like learned more about more about the symptoms because I didn't know that much about it in high school. Right. But you know there was definitely I probably at least I would say I want to say I at least had three. Um, Just from, like, self-diagnosis, obviously I could be wrong, and it could have been just, you know, me feeling dizzy the next day, but, and it was, I don't know, but I did a few reports, I remember, in college on concussions, and just learning about different symptoms and how they are delayed, right, they're not always immediate, and I remember feeling those as, like, a high school football player, and even in community college, and I was like, oh, shit, like, maybe I did have two or three concussions, and I think, given the choice, if I had a kid, obviously, like you said, it's going to be up to them, I just don't think I would push it on them. Right. I'm not going to, like, say, hey, like, you want to play football? No. Like, if if they come up to me, you know, they could be into piano or whatever. But if they came up to me and were like, hey, I want to play football, Dad, you know, I'd be like, okay, that's fine. We can sign you up. I'm not going to say no. But I'm also not going to be like, oh, well, we got to put you in football. We got to put you in football, right? mm -hmm. Because that's that's the worst thing, too, especially if you start them off in an early age. I'm sure you, you know, you remember from, like, even if it it wasn't football, if it was Little League and stuff like that, Mm -hmm. there's always... The kids that like parents force them to be there and so they hated it and they're yeah, always crying at the actually, games yeah, yeah exactly yeah. so you don't want to be that kid that parent either who's his kid is crying at the games because they want to right. be there but it's tough for me just because i've seen it firsthand the cte and the long-term effects everyone gets right. affected by concussions differently long-term but you know it's, it's definitely scary for sure
1: no absolutely and uh it's definitely like a real thing, and mm-hmm. you may have different experiences. You know, like you, your, your father is going through it. You're seeing the um, effects of it. You yourself have received some. Mm-hmm. So in my experience with it, it was just completely different. And like, mm-hmm. I, I never got any, so, yeah. so I don't know what that. it's like to get a concussion. And it's not like I never played. You know, I got plenty of playing time. Mm-hmm. You know, like I was starting running back too. So so I got plenty of playing time to potentially get these things, but I've mm-hmm. never gone, I'm so I'm definitely grateful and lucky for that. But um, it's definitely a real issue, and you're seeing tons of players come out now with these issues, tons mm-hmm. of studies about it. Um, actually, I read a couple of articles this week about it. Uh, Harvard, uh, Harvard, Harvard did a study about CTE, mm-hmm. and kind of changed the subject, but saying how CTE is now seeing effects of uh, erectile no way. In, in, in these NFL players. Wow. So, so a lot of these retired players, or even players now, are experiencing ED due to concussions. Harvard is now... Uh, suggesting mm-hmm. so that's one of those like, effects long-term that's happening of course n- no guy wants to experience that
0: mm-hmm.
1: um so that's one article but another, another article i read was from actually nfl.com it was saying how in 2018 29 of concussions have gone down mm-hmm. so they are making improvements because it is a big thing it's a huge thing and roger cordell is getting ripped up about this right you know about making the game more safe, but people don't want to see the game more safe because yeah. they want to see hits. They want to see you know the QBs not get a little... Any, any hit on the QB is going to be a penalty now. People don't want to see that. But at the same time, you want players to be protected, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, how do you make the game more safe but also equally as, quote-unquote, violent or football like mm-hmm. you know so it's a hard place roger goodell and all these nfl officials are trying to do for the game
0: oh for sure i think the word soft gets thrown around a lot like the league has gone softer but i think at the same time those people who are criticizing for the league for getting more soft obviously if they knew more i think the, the the spread of education of regards to cte and like what really a concussion can do i think if more people that just in the general public were educated about that i think it definitely helped turn the opinions or at least the mass opinions on, on these injuries and like the rules that they're making for that. Cause yes, it's not gonna be fun. I think like they're really trying to limit kickoffs, right? And, and punt returns and that kind of stuff. Cause that's where a lot of concussions happen. You know, it's gonna, it's gonna suck to, you know, cause obviously there's people who made livings off of kick returning, like the Devin Hesters and the Troy Halls, mm. Dante Halls. And, you know, seeing those stuff out of football is not gonna be as fun, right? But at the same time, if you knew more about the CTE and if you knew more about the concussions, I think general public would understand it's, you're gonna have to find a happy medium. You can't have this super violent sport that we had you know, 20, 30 years ago, but we also don't want to ha- turn this into flag either, so we have to find that happy medium, and, you know, Roger Goodell and the entire NFL is in a really tough, tricky situation. Yeah,
1: and I'm, I'm always going to be supported, a supported and a proponent of the NFL organization, and d- despite what people may think of it or that issue, I still believe and think they're doing the right things to help that issue. Mm-hmm. You know, they're making technology more advanced, they're, the helmets are now getting more advanced. Um, you know, they're making different rules again, despite if you like those rules or not, but at least they're, they're trying to do something. It's on experiment, it really mm-hmm. is. Yeah, so like so. There's like, make rules, try it out for this year, see what happens, and then just assess, and evaluate, and go on from there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, they're, they're, they are trying, mm-hmm. they are trying. I know some people don't like the softness now, and how you know, or the quarterback sliding rule. It's like, well, oh, yeah, when do you hit? Do, do you not hit? You know what I mean? Yeah. You can't, you know, leave the head anymore. Or like, oh, is that a shoulder hit or is that a helmet hit? It's like all of these. defensive the defenseless
0: receiver things. Yeah, too, you know,
1: right? Yeah. so it's all these things that go either way. But, mm-hmm. You know, the refs got to make a judgment call based off the rules that are given to them. Yeah, they got the toughest job. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Because
0: no matter what, I, I heard a good quote about referees, like the referees have no like home field. You know oh, what I oh. mean? So like no matter what call they make, it's going to be booed by one side and, or and booed by the other.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh man, just th- th- that call against the Saints Rams game.
0: <sighs> that was terrible. That was, that, was, that was bad. That was bad. That was bad. That was, was really probably bad. the worst missed call I've seen in like any sport. I want to say in my lifetime, yeah. It's probably been you know worse from older, but right.
1: Uh. There's two calls that stick out in my mind that was absolutely garbage. Mm-hmm. That was definitely number one because that was most recent. And the other one was on the what year it was I want to say. Early like 2012 time, but it was the Packers against Seahawks with that catch to win the game for the Seahawks. Mm. Remember that? Which one?
0: Oh, the uh, yes, but that was the year of the replacement refs, correct? Exactly. I think so, that so, was yeah. 2013. Yeah, so you
1: run that. Yeah, so it was it was that call. Yeah, that finally said we need real refs in here.
0: Yeah, you
1: know? <laughs> in the season. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Because yeah. there were like Division three college yeah. football refs, and yeah. they're like, uh, okay. So it was those two calls that
1: stuck on my mind on the worst calls I've ever seen and experienced, because mm-hmm. that was outcry. Both mm-hmm. those calls made outcry in the news and just sports media.
0: Mm-hmm. I remember there was a call, different sport, but baseball, I remember there was a, a pitcher, I think his last name was Galarraga, for Galarraga, I forgot his first name, but he was a Detroit Tigers pitcher when they were still good, might have been like 2010, but I remember he had a perfect game going, and literally like, the last, down to the last batter, he had two outs in the ninth inning, and uh, this guy, like, it was a ground ball to, like, shortstop, The guy, uh, you know, threw him out, and he was like, it was a close play, but he was clearly out by a step, and the referee, or the ump, called them safe, and like, I remember that one, because that was huge, you took away a perfect game, you took away a piece of history, and that pitcher was not like a great pitcher, I don't think he pitched like two, three years after that, you know, his career ended pretty shortly, but yeah, I just remember that was a a pretty big moment too, but yeah, those those three, the Packers, Seahawks, you know, the Tigers taking away their perfect game, and then obviously, you know, this one with the Saints-Rams, I it's tough because, I, I, you know, I'm a Panthers fan, so I don't like the Saints fan kind of right. like crying the whole off right. season about it. And I right. think they even like took it to court and stuff like that. And so it just seems unnecessary. Yeah, it sucks, but at the end of the day, sports like, yeah. you know, like if, move if, on. Yeah,
1: if, if it was like a week five game, you know, kind of like just whatever game, I don't think it would have been all that big. But since it was a for playoff game, mm-hmm. like it was a huge
0: game. And it was late like, in the game too. It was though. late in the game. Because
1: yeah. like, what happened? Didn't something happen? No, well, well, Saints were gonna be in obviously scoring position.
0: Yeah, they were in the red zone. Yeah, maybe.
1: so they could have won the game. So it was this huge tournament of events, and I think just for that reason they outcried, which I, rightfully so, mm-hmm. you know. But I know, despite you being a Panthers fan and being Saints, but at a certain point you gotta put that rivalry away and mm-hmm. be like, this is your love and respect of the game, mm-hmm. you know. Because I'm a, I'm a Niner fan, you know, just born raised in, uh, I, don't know, I was born in the Bay Area, so I grew group of Niner fan, you know, family and everything and uh so i always had this rivalry of you know the raiders and then everyone yeah. in my division you know like the seahawks and everything but as i get older and want to be a profession in this business you got to put those biases away and be like you do, yeah you know, you know you can be like i love the game sports and the integrity of it mm-hmm. so there's no more of this rivalry so for example like if i meet a guy who's a seahawks fan i'm not going to be like oh I'm FU man at you man like you know Talk, Very street, yeah, yeah. 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 I'm, I'm not gonna be street with them. I am going to be more professional with them, like talk about his team and talk about like the chances of us. We, you know, kind of, kind of, just you know, talk shop a little bit more. Mm-hmm. You know, so, so that's all about just being professional in business or trying to be. You know, yeah,
0: like, that's one thing I've noticed too, just myself, especially like I'm still a pretty, I would still some, I'm a fan of these teams that I grew up rooting for, but definitely especially in basketball and, and baseball and a little bit of college football. Like I, I've definitely taken a step back, and I just enjoy the sport, like you said, just kind of. Take it for what it is. You know, I'm still a, a huge LSU fan, but I'm not going to, like, curse at Bama fans or just curse at Alabama. Because, right. like, if the, the the day presented where I could get a job with Alabama, whether it was broadcasting or writing or just even anything, kind of covering them and got my foot in the door, I'm going to take it. You know, even though I may not like the team or the organization because I grew up an LSU fan, it's it's just – it's. What's, what I want to do so yeah. it's going to be an opportunity nonetheless Absolutely. so you have to kind of take a step back you know if the Lakers call okay I'm going to say yes I'm not going to be oh I didn't like the Lakers growing up so you know yeah. God forbid I work for them like yeah. no that's just kind of a silly way to think about it you yeah. kind of just I got to step, step back I still root for the team that I do root for but you can't you know Shun the other teams yeah. or the rivals,
1: and the players experience the same thing. You know, yeah. they're they're a part of the business, so they, they can't have biases. But <laughs> like, just one quick example: when Richard Sherman came back to the night, not came back, but came to the Niners. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not gonna be like, I'm not gonna play for a team because you know my rival, Niners. Ew. And after yeah. that big talking smack to you know Rackle Crabtree doing the playoffs, you mm-hmm. know. So like so, <laughs> <was> right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. so, So as a fan, you see that when I saw that, I'm like, man, what
0: a jerk. Yeah. These you know, this guy is just being. A, you know. Initial reaction is always yeah, like that. yeah.
1: But the heat in the moment is a passion of the game. You know, the inter- I think now there's a rule saying, like, the media can't approach players like that for like 20 minutes after a game because the emotions mm-hmm. are kicked up. But but regardless, but as a fan, you see like man, screw this guy, Which yeah. Sherman talking on that smack, <laughs> what what a, you know, what a
0: jerk. I'm sure a lot of 49 ers fans were right, salty. right.
1: They really were, yeah. Um. So so when I uh, learned that he's coming to the team, I was gonna be like, oh. Just got this jerk on the team, it's like no, I mean, he's still a solid player, and also mm-hmm. I do like how he interviews, you know, despite mm-hmm. how you think about him. You know, he's a very controversial player, he yeah. Can be. And he went to Sanford too, he's a smart guy, yeah, he's, yeah. he's very, he's articulate, yeah. You know, like he, he communicates well, he does good interviews, and he just it's a passion of the game. These, these players don't the act that way, yeah, you know. But, um, but so the big point I was gonna say is I'm not, I wasn't gonna be biased against him being you know, on mm-hmm. the night, it's like no, he's a nighter now, and that's cool. Mm-hmm. Find him all in, these players, you know, need a job,
0: yeah, you know, especially you. In the other player in other sports you always see like Red Sox going to the Yankees or Yankees going to the Red Sox. That's like one of the hugest right. rivalry yeah. of all the sports. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it's just a business, like you yeah. said. Um, even like Rondo, who's playing for the Lakers now, a big, you know, longtime Celtic. And, you know, if you understand the Celtics Lakers rivalry, I'm sure Celtics fans are were upset when, you know, Rondo is now playing for the Lakers. By the end of the day, it's a business. If he can, if that's the only team he can play for, then he's probably going to want to play for them. Right. Nonetheless, is a job is a job, I guess. It's kind of like they have the same viewpoint that we do now. Right. You know The rivalries are kind of out the door, and they're just a part of the team, but it's a business, and if they still want to continue playing, they got right. to do what they got to do.
1: If only the overall fans understood that or did that, because... Well, also, I guess that that's what makes them fans and kind of the fun of it, but just being at these Charger games, mm-hmm. ugh, I see fights in the stands. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when, when the Raiders came obviously it's the Raiders <laughs> but um, every section there was a fight I saw six fights just witnessed six fights there's probably more <laughs> so it's crazy to see that and then just when um, even the Broncos come so like these team rivalries come um, but, but anyways but, but there's just a fight it's preseason it was a non-division game just these fans get all wowed up mm-hmm. you know due to the competition um, and you know punches are thrown security goes you see, you see blood you know mm-hmm. it's like damn mm-hmm. you know these cra- fans be wilding
0: I think as I've gotten older, I've realized while I love sports and I love like being a fan of sports and being a fan of certain teams, I understand that like the institution of sports sometimes may not I don't know if it's like a hot take or not, but it just it causes a lot of people to like be upset at other people of like other, you know, fandoms. Almost to the sense where I can I wanna compare it to like religion. Because you know how religion, like, if you look at a lot of the wars and history throughout the world, a lot of them have been religious-based, Yep. you know? To the point, well, like, well, now it's pretty similar as far as sports, you know, like, Eagles fans are beating up Giants fans just because they don't like each other or they're rivals. And same thing, like you said, Chargers and Raiders fans or, you know, Cowboy fans and Redskins fans. It's just, it almost seems silly, though, because, like, these sports, like, yes, it's cool to root for them and it's a form of entertainment, but they should have, like, no effect... Because if you fight someone, like, you could, one, potentially die, or two, like, potentially seriously injure yourself, concussions, or broken bones, that kind of stuff. Also, you can, like, get in a lot of legal trouble. Like, is it really worth it for just this team that you root for? Like, it's literally just, like, a a logo and a mascot and players put on pads. It's really just a form of entertainment. It's not worth it to get on all that trouble. Yeah, and there's still family and and kids there because that one
1: example I was telling earlier, like, this person was with this child. So the child is now crying in the seat watching daddy get beat up or throwing the punches mm-hmm. and get get escorted out mm-hmm. while you know fans of course watching other children so it's just like it's a bad look yeah. you know it's like is is your enthusiasm and passion for your own team worth getting in trouble legally or you even physically hurting yourself or others Right. you know cause like it's, it, it's like you're protecting this team who doesn't know you personally exist. Exactly. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, so, like, you're literally giving all your heart and yeah. your, your anger towards the team when it just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, that you owner know? doesn't
0: know who you are. That quarterback doesn't know who you are. I'm yeah. sure even, like, the cheerleaders on that team don't even know who you are. Yeah, so. exactly.
1: So, like, they don't, like, in that sense, they don't care about you because they mm-hmm. don't know you. you exactly. Know? Of course, players and teams care about their fans, the fans that makes them the money and who they are. But, but like, as an individual. As you know? an individual, they don't know who you are. So, so why are you literally about to fight someone over the score mm-hmm. you know yeah or what you someone know? said yeah, you know? yeah of course there's a lot of different factors you know like they're in the hot sun all day of course True. drinking's involved yes. and just people can't con- control their emotions like i could be in the right all day mm-hmm. but if people's you know running their mouth to me all day and eventually i snap i'm gonna I'm, I'm, i got in trouble right and all it takes is one you know? moment you know to kind of yeah. like
0: ruin someone's perspective on someone you know someone else yeah exactly but that's yeah, it's kind of like a weird phenomenon. I always wonder that, because I remember seeing it as a younger kid, and then now seeing it as an adult, and like, people will always try, and, you know, I'm sure you go to games, or every now and then, or just, you know, you wear a jersey out of your favorite team to a bar, and people will, like, try and say stuff and start stuff, and it's just kind of like, dude, like, really? Like, yeah. we're, we're grown adults yeah. here, like, you know, I'm not gonna... Okay, like yeah, I I don't, I I don't know
1: happens to all the time. With me. I I, I kind of like stirring the pot just just, just a little bit, kind of yeah. only because like, I'm not gonna be afraid of what I say to people. If you don't like what I have to say, then well then I'm that it's you problem, you know. Mm-hmm. That's how I guys how I gotta look at, uh, look at it. But so I work at a bar at night, and um sports is always on, and we're a sports bar. We're actually a Packer bar. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, nice. Yeah. Um, but um you know also a Dodger bar. So you know right now baseball season and football season starting. So, people always come in, talk about the Dodgers, ask me, hey, man, like, who's your team? Or, like, assume I'm a Dodger fan. Like, no, I'm not from here. I'm actually a Giants fan.
0: Oh, And man. they're like, ew.
1: You know, like, they're all getting mad at me or, of course, talking their shit. Of course, jokingly. Majority of time, all jokingly. But yeah. sometimes people get legit, like, turned off or, like, offended. Yeah. Because I'm a Niner fan or I like the Giants or just because I'm not their team. Yeah. You know? It's like, what's... Okay.
0: I guess I'm going to short-pour you now. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Here's all this foam. Right? Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Okay, dang. Yeah, that's... It's funny. I, I never understood that, too. Like, you know, I I grew up around here and I'm not an Angels fan, not a Dodgers fan. I grew up rooting for the Diamondbacks, but, like, now as i got gotten older, I've kind of say I just like baseball in general. Yeah. Um, Diamondbacks and A's are, like, I guess my two teams, but I don't know. I just... Like, my, my family that's a lot of Dodger fans, you know, sometimes they would kind of come at me, like, attacking me, like, you know, like, oh, like, what are the Dimebacks doing? And it's like, you know, they're not doing well, but, like, I don't really care. Like, that's, you know, it's a team. Like, yeah, I root for them, and they if they suck, they suck. Oh, well. But, like, I I'll want to talk to them about the Dodgers because, I mean, the Dodgers might be doing something really good. But then they're like, oh, you can't be talking about the Dodgers in a positive light because you're a Dimebacks fan. It's like, yeah. no, they shouldn't restrict me from – I guess I've always had that, like, exactly. you know, broadcaster mindset or just – because yeah, I, I like, you know, if the Dodgers are doing something great, i like, I'm going to admit it. You know what I mean? I'm going to be talking about them. Because the last two years, they've been, like, really great. You know, and I may not like the team, but they've probably been one of the better teams in baseball during the regular yeah. seasons the past few seasons. So, I don't know. It's kind of interesting like that. Like you said, the fandom – sometimes just get like too big and too heated and it's just like I don't don't get it
1: right yeah Yeah. and with you uh you know want to be a reporter and all that like you have to be the most objective as you can yeah yeah, I mean you still be a fan in one sport but Mm -hmm. it's your job it's your duty, it's your profession Mm -hmm. to be objective for report the news or the team you know in the most factually accurate way Mm -hmm. you know so like yeah if you're a Diamondbacks fan you're still allowed to talk positive or factually about the Dodgers, about right. other sports teams in general. That's what you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. You know? So it's just funny how people don't understand that or don't like that or just choose not to. Mm-hmm. But on the same way, you know, like I want again, I mentioned earlier, like I want to be a profession in the sport. So that means I got to be, you know, accurate and mm-hmm. as non-biased as I can and talk realistically
0: about sports or football in general, mm-hmm. you know? So I know you, I know like the position that you want to go for in in sports, but can you talk about it and elaborate a little bit more? Because I know sometimes maybe the listeners, I have a lot of kids who listen and just because I know a lot of kids who like sports, but there's different outlets that you can work in sports. So can you kind of talk about what your goals are as far as which you want to reach towards?
1: Yes, absolutely. So my dream job, big dream job is I want to be a GM of an NFL team. Okay. Hell yeah. I love it. Reason for it is because I just love working with the players. I love contracts. It's always fascinated me. The player personnel, the football operations—everything a GM does—I want to do. Um, I'm very business-minded, um, so I first went down my path um, of working in sports um, for the longest time. I want to be a sports agent. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted, you know, to work on behalf of you know players, represent them. I wanna, you know, have positive light. I want to work with them with contracts. Still, mm-hmm. again. Um, but after looking down that road and talking with some actual agents, I realized maybe it's not for me. Um, mm-hmm. There's a lot of things I don't agree with or- Super
0: competitive too, Super right?
1: competitive. Um, I, I, I it's just Super competitive. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'm not going to say if I wanted to say about it, um, but I realized I just do similar work, but for the team side, on the more business side, now I'm doing decisions that's best for the team, for the business. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll, I'll give one quick example. So one thing I don't really like about being on the sports side is, let's say you have a, you have a player who does something really bad. Let's use the Kareem Hunt example oh, or, yeah. or, or Tyke Hill. As an agent, you have to defend that. Yeah. You know, it's like, well. At all costs. Yeah. yeah so that goes against my morals and principles and ethics. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he's your client, so you have an oath to protect him. <laughs> right. And, you know, because you make money pretty much off him, you get a commission based off that. But it's like ethically and morally on a human standpoint, I can't get behind that. Mm -hmm. So I can't defend that. Mm -hmm. So I'd rather make decisions best for the team organization. So that's where you get, you know, the GM, you -hmm. know, and also you do some scouting too. So it's all those things I really like that fits me as a person. It fits my personality a little bit more. So that's Mm -hmm. a career I want to pursue. So that's my big end game. I want to be a GM of an NFL team.
0: That's really cool. I've actually, I've always like considered that or I've, you know especially like when playing the video games madden mlb nba i always like doing the offseason part like that was always my favorite part right. just kind of like build you your know, team build your team basically yeah. you know scouting the drafts and like seeing which players fit best here i think ideally you know i do want to get into the reporting and broadcasting but hopefully when i'm older i'd like to be a scout and kind of like it doesn't matter what sport because i feel like i'm pretty well versed as far as football baseball basketball maybe even a little bit of soccer but i'd really like to get into the scouting of and as far as like Finding that hidden talent somewhere, you know, where no one else was looking. And then, you know, you know, like the Philip Lindsays or like the, you know, you yeah. I mean, just like those random like undrafted free agents that like hit even the Tom Brady's seventh right. round pick, right? Yeah, You know what I mean? But just like hitting on like these later round picks or just guys that are going undrafted or just pe- people who come from like, you know, people, places that no one really expected them to. Absolutely. So that's I, li- I really like that aspect of it too. Just yeah. like a GM has a lot to do with that, um, but they get to make the final call and more business aspect. But... Scouting seems really cool too. Yeah, scouting's really fun too. Um, mm-hmm. I was an area scout for a little bit. Oh really? Yeah.
1: Um, I worked for I worked for this one company um, a couple of years ago, and it was fun. It was cool. Um, like my, high school level? High school or, level, yeah, okay. yeah. So it was it was to scout high school players to go into college. Mm-hmm. So my uh, area um, was Long Beach, all of Long Beach pretty much. So mm-hmm. I would go to these local high schools. I would scout them. I would make my little notes. Um, I'd actually make, in my opinion, pretty thorough and good reporting, sky mm-hmm. scavenging reports. And then I would just return those and sh- uh, send those to, you know, my higher ups and they would do the rest. Okay. But, um, it was a good experience. It was good. Yeah. Yeah. It was really fun. You know, I think you'd be good at that too. Yeah. You know?
0: Yeah. That's something I've tried to get into, especially with like, um, the websites that I ran for, right? Written for every time the draft season comes up, there's always like the opportunity just to like. Obviously, the offseason, there's you can't talk about games or like current stuff of the current team right now or the players unless there's like news. But I definitely like, I always, you know, last year I probably wrote like 15 to 20, and the year before I try to write 20 to 25, just like draft profiles. Me just watching like a player's tape, and I've done some pretty like notable players, like I did Darius Geis. But it to, to me that's fun because I, you know, I'd watch Darius Geis running the wall for LSU because I'm an mm. LSU fan, so you know, every Saturday I'm just kind of like jotting down notes, and then by the time Draft season came up. I'd write something about him off of what I saw, right? And everyone has their own opinion, which I think is cool. I think sometimes, a lot of times, especially like media in general, they always do something for attention, right? But in like when you're scouting someone, you don't want to do that for attention. You don't want to. I guess you don't want to scout someone the same way you would report something, just because you could really potentially like make or break a guy's career, right? Right. I mean, you think about completely different but like laramie tunsell member i don't know if you remember him no, yeah, yeah. that video of like the gas mask yeah. came out and you know it, it ruined his draft stock but like mm-hmm. something a scout can say whether it was you know todd mcshay or mike Mayock, who's now with the raiders but mm-hmm. if they said something negative about a player that could really like ruin a team's or not a team's a player's stock and it can right. ruin a team's perception on that player right and who's to say you know that player maybe they did do something wrong like one thing wrong but that doesn't it could have, like, a much greater impact on their career and stuff like that. I right. think I think back to, like, Ja'Kai Polite, you know, he was a Florida defender and a lot of people, he had a really bad combine. And then I think he had, like, a not, a not great pro day. And he did some things throughout the season where, like, coaches have said things. But who knows? Like, what if he, you know, turns it around and, you know, he's still capable of having a great NFL career and he right. can always turn things around. You have to be as unbiased as possible even though he has, like, you know, sometimes – he has negative things said against him I don't know it's, it's right. like a weird way to like go about right. it if bad things are out there it,
1: it will be known right you know either through media or just through the scouts um, one one example is James Winston yeah when he was getting drafted mm-hmm. he did a lot of you know sketchy things in college yeah you know, a lot of accusations what were they like stealing yeah the grab um, legs crab legs and then wait something was an uber driver right harassed the girl something so like
0: that was already as a pro but he did have a pro like guy. a he was accused of sexual harassment yeah college, okay, yeah so there's
1: so two instances of that so mm-hmm. it's like he had a history of doing not so good things on mm-hmm. campus um did that affect his stock draft i mean no he's still number yeah. one overall but it still made teams wary mm-hmm. you know and if i could go back in time i would, I would actually switched it mm-hmm. i have because uh, he was in Mariota that year, right? Yeah, yeah. So I have Mariota go number one only because just better character. So, what if I do scouting and stuff? There's two things. Obviously, you want talent, mm-hmm. but I'm big on who are you as who are you as a person, right? You know, it's it's hard to evaluate that because teams want the best players who could win now, who fit their mold, fit their system, fit exactly, their offense yeah. or defense. I get all that, but if you have players who are equal, um. Me personally, I'll go down to who are you as a character? Yeah, you know, who, who are you as a person? Mm-hmm. So I remember during that time they seemed pretty equal. You mm-hmm. know, they're both winners, they're both great for the schools, um, but I went to who fits the system back, who's the more prototypical quarterback, and at that time yeah. I think Jameis was right. Um, but I was thinking I'm going with Win- I'm going with uh, Mariota well, mm-hmm. because his character is. Is clean. Mm-hmm. He's all across the board. People liked him. Yeah. People, he has a good reputation. No well trouble. Spoken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well-spoken. Just no history of violence. Just nothing. Mm-hmm. So just because of that, you know, I haven't been going overall. But at the same time, he probably didn't fit Bucking your system. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, that's, but, that's a yeah. huge thing. Like when yeah. you're scouting
0: for a team versus just like scouting for NFL Network, you also have to think, you know, the system that they run and, and what their coaches want and their schemes and stuff like yeah. that.
1: And I'm sure coaches and GMs and owners know all that, so I'm pretty, I'm pretty much beating a dead horse when I talk about this. Mm-hmm. But um, I think just in general, I think people should evaluate that more than just talent. Mm-hmm. You know, evaluate also the personality and the person themselves.
0: Of course. I, me, I got a, had the chance to coach a football team for the first time last year at middle school level, but it was, it was great to see that too because I really emphasize that as well. Like if you're going to play football on my team, you have to be great not only on the football field, but you have to be great in the classroom, respectful to, you know, other members at school and that kind of thing and i really pushed that on the kids and some kids you know would do it and some kids wouldn't and i would punish the kids for it and you know that's that's the way they learn and i i really felt like good about doing that especially at an early age and the kids who worked hardest maybe they weren't the best but the kids who worked hard i always try to get them in because i remember being in high school and my coach would say that oh if you work hard you're gonna get on the field Mm -hmm. that's not he wasn't always he wasn't always true at that because there was a lot of times like me and other friends were working really hard, but we were smaller, you know, Mexican kids and there yeah. was bigger, you know, whether there were Tongans at our school or bigger, you know, just bigger kids yeah. at our school that are better at the position, they would for sure play us. And they could, there was opportunities for us to get subbed in here and there, but, you know, for the most part, he had his kind of ways about doing things. So, you know, for me as a player, like in that, who grew up in that system, definitely as a coach, I wanted to be like, hey, if you do work hard, I'm going to get you in. Maybe it may not be starting, it may not be, you know, 80% of the game, but I will get you in. And so... You know kids respond to that too because then it encourages everyone to work hard because everyone wants to see that playing time and you know kind of also keep you up to the standard as far as like off the field stuff as well absolutely so it's cool you know i i really like like you said too when two players are equal i like looking at the hard work ethic you know because right. there's kids who my kids but just like you know players who have natural talent and then there's kids who had to like really like work themselves to get there or they continue to work themselves right they're the first ones in the last ones out kind of thing and that kind of stuff or they're always asking to do more i like looking at those kids as well just because absolutely those players are going to be obviously they're going to reach their potential a little faster than like maybe the kid who doesn't work as hard yeah it's like how bad do you want it like mm-hmm. how bad is your work ethic mm-hmm. or how bad like
1: <laughs> yeah that, that's a weird phrase but like how like how bad do you want it? and like how good is your work ethic
0: you know mm-hmm. What but, drives them? Yeah, yeah What drives them? them? Yeah, it's
1: like well, like actions speak louder than words, right? So you can say the right things, to interview, but like, are you the guy who is first in the locker room, or the guy who's first out in the locker room? Mm-hmm. Do you stay on the field extra to get extra reps in? Do you mm-hmm. stay with your teammates? Do you encourage? Do you pick them up? Mm-hmm. If if you're a veteran, are you helping you know the not veterans? Mm-hmm. Are you helping you know the other stringers to get better to move up? Mm-hmm. Um, if you're a rookie, are you listening, or are you gonna be arrogant? You're gonna be hot headed. You're gonna be entitled. Mm-hmm. There's all these things that you know should play in factor and I'm sure it does mm-hmm. but as you as a player you know who do you want to be at the next level right you know yeah do you want to be like the Antonio Brown or, you, <laughs> be, yeah. or you want to be something oh, else <laughs> what's the update with that I, uh, I I listened to it and I was like this is ridiculous as as I'm worth my time saying attention to but mm-hmm. it's so helmet thing yeah is it is it is he he, it good to go
0: I think but I think he's been in practices so yeah. I think it was granted something he still wants I'm sure but yeah, I At think I read he got denied. Yeah, he did yeah. get denied okay. with the NFL. I think he's gonna try again, but he's from done. what? Mm. Yeah, from what I've seen though, he's you know been back with the Raiders. He still has like recovering from the foot injury, right? Okay. The he was in the cryo chambers, I think what they call it, right? <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, he got frostbite. Yeah, on his foot, like oh, come man. on, like what are you doing? It's Like there's
1: two things. Either either the team trainer or whoever was responsible for that. Yeah. failed, fucked up, or yeah, or. Antonio Brown, as a person, didn't know any better. It's like, you should know. You like, kind of protect yourself when you go with things. Yeah. That's no, I know. I am sure there's
0: big, a lot of warnings, and yeah. they'll tell you all about all this like You stuff. should know.
1: Like, probably not your first time doing this. Yeah. You should probably
0: know. That's hilarious, though. Silly decision. Yeah. It was a, it was a wild off season, yeah. to say the least. From yeah. Robert Kraft being mm-hmm. caught at, like, the a massage little, parlor in yeah. Florida to, you know, Antonio Brown's saga, and then Andrew Luck retiring, like, yeah. two weeks before the season started. It, it was definitely kept like a it was a busy news cycle Tyreek oh, Hill situation absolutely too, the holdouts I mean everything it was, it was pretty it was Kyler Murray during yeah. The draft yeah you exactly is, is he staying baseball is he going to football mm-hmm. the, even the Cardinals hiring a, a a losing coach at the college level for their head coach like <laughs> yeah. what the fuck <laughs> yeah you know man they need some changes so how yeah. drastic's gotta be mm-hmm. who, who knows weird. they may have a GM spot open up pretty soon alright yeah Could be up in 20 years maybe <laughs> <laughs> but yeah
1: so uh, I had a quick question. when You talked about, about your kids, or how you uh, you teach football or mm-hmm. you coach football. Sorry, um, how, how would you discipline them if, if they didn't do up to your standards?
0: How would I discipline? I always tried to give a reason. I would break it down to them before I would, you know, disciplining would be just like, you know, up-downs or, you know, running, that kind of stuff, you know, stuff that yeah. players don't like. But I'd always tell them why, right, and they had to keep each other accountable because I was one of those coaches too where, like, if one player messed up, okay, well, all you guys messed up, okay, right? Because yeah. you guys all got to keep each other accountable. You guys are a team. You guys are a family, you know. Because I'm sure there's, especially all of them are close outside of football as well. So if you see one kid like your friend bullying another kid, and you know he shouldn't be, just be like, hey, like stop. And by the end of the year, they were starting to pick up that up like the habit more of, and I thought that was great to see. Um, my supervisor thought it was great to see too, and, and just you know personally felt good about it, but always try and give them a reason behind the conditioning or a reason behind the unwanted, you know, punishment or yeah. discipline. Just cause if you just discipline the kids like, Oh, he messed up, go run, you know? And that's it. Yeah. You know, I remember I made like the team run just cause I didn't like the way one of the kids talked to a girl, you know, he kind of was disrespectful right. to her. And I was like, you know, we can't do that. Like this is, uh, you guys are going to develop unhealthy habits as children. And then you're going to do it as an adults and you're going to really struggle in relationships. And then who's to say you don't have kids and you know, you're going to teach them the same, you know, you know, you know what I mean. Right. So yeah, I, just, yeah, yeah, I, I always try that. to put like bigger picture because right. it was more than just football, on it, and yeah. then then I would make them run or right. discipline them accordingly.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with that. With me, I have no problem, you know, giving discipline or even receiving discipline. Like if I do something wrong, I want to be, you know, punishing consequence because that's what you learn as a person. Mm-hmm. But like like you said, I only told why. Yeah, because I don't like being told to do things when there's no why behind it, mm-hmm. like no reason. It's like, I don't want to question it, Mm -hmm. you know? So, like, if I'm doing something wrong or I'm getting punished for it, tell me why I'm getting punished. Right. Therefore, I could, you know, learn from it, understand my wrongdoings and learn from it. If you just tell me... No, just just go do this. You're wrong, or just like oh, Dom, you did this, you messed up. It's like, well, why? It's like just do it because I said so. Yeah, I said so. Reason I don't like at all. Yeah, you know, and parents I feel like do that a lot, or just your bosses will do that. Oh a lot. yeah, you know, oh yeah. It's like it's like me questioning, it's not undermining you. Mm-hmm. It's, it's me literally just I don't know why, I don't know what I did wrong. Yeah, you know. So I, I agree with that tactic. We actually yeah. explain kids, even though they might not understand it at that level, but it's, it's still getting through to them in in, in some way or another.
0: Right. Yeah. It was it was actually had like a really tough situation because there was a game where we were up It was against the rival school. There was a lot of, It's there was a lot of stake because they like that loss ended up keeping us out the playoffs to put that team in the playoffs And again, it's only middle school level So, you know, I don't really care about all that But it was just weird to see because we were up big at, you know, at halftime. then we, we started coasting and the team started coming back And literally like everyone kind of quit on each other and I and like my initial thought was like, well, I'm gonna get mad right, but mm-hmm it was it was weird to see because like players were quitting left to right even the players that like were my solid hard working hardest working kids the kids that were like say they would live and die by me they quit on me too and i was just like oh my god like you know what so the next two or the next practice the next day like literally the day after that game i just i didn't want like all the kids were like oh like how much are we gonna run today i was like honestly we're not gonna run we're just gonna sit and talk all practice the whole practice we just talked i had every player like step up kind of talk about what happened yesterday what their thoughts were uh, why do they think that happened, why did they quit, or the way, or you know what I mean, because not every kid quit, but you know what I mean, just, right. it was a weird, it was truly weird, because I remember like leaving, like clocking out of work that day, I was like, what the hell just happened, you know, right? Like, it was something like I'd never seen before, just, I, I don't know if it was too much at stake, the, the, the spotlight got too big for them, because it was like our first home game, I think, mm-hmm. so you know, just a lot of different factors, but the kids kind of like choked, right, once, we still had money opportunities to like maintain the lead, or keep the lead, and they just kind of like, quit on themselves, quit on each other, and it was, it was just really weird to see, it, but we had to talk about it, and I think a lot of the kids were like, oh, we're going to run the next day, and the you know, coach is going to you know right. yell at us, but I was like, nah, like yeah. that was weird. Like I, You wouldn't have learned anything from that, right, if I just made you run or anything. Yeah. The, the best way to do that kind of stuff is talk about it, keep each other accountable. Right. and
1: uh, that's, a, that's a healthy outlook, mm-hmm. because uh, as a coach, that's unacceptable to see your team mm-hmm. quit like that, or not play as hard, or, or, or do what, they, what you experienced. Right. So it's a healthy outlook where you're actually, you know what? No, we're going to get together. Instead of punishing you guys because you know you did wrong. As yeah. long as you know you did wrong, that's punishment enough. Mm-hmm. But now let's get down to the root of it. Right. You know what I mean? So like, what, what happened? Like, yeah. It's, it's all share what happened. You know, like it's, it's a, little, a little safe space, I guess. Yeah, if wanna, yeah. If you want to call it that, you know, <laughs> whether people like that or not. But it's kind of like, no, let's, it's, let's talk about it. You know, because you guys shut down for a reason. You know you messed up. You know I'm disappointing you guys. But mm-hmm. it's stuff to talk about. You know, right. it's, 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 I want to hear you out I want to know what happened or to move on and get better from this yeah then have you seen your team get better or, or you know the next game were they better
0: yeah they were they, they since that it was definitely like a good bonding movement for them as far as being more accountable to themselves and, and with not only with themselves but with each other as well too because um, definitely like in that loss there was a lot of pointing fingers initially yeah right but it was it was, it was I don't know i say coaching is like a lot harder than it looks you know because yeah. I for sure felt like I'm a player who, or a former player who knows a lot about football, right? Like I was very, I wasn't very naturally gifted, so I had to learn a lot about football as far as scheming and mm-hmm. and just watching a lot of film and you know just trying to outsmart opponents and stuff like that. So I, you know I was trying to teach the kids that way, and sometimes it's hard to get across your ideals to other kids and you know help them enact a, enact it. And you know sometimes you lack resources and that kind of stuff. So coaching is definitely like a roller coaster ride. For sure. And this is just middle school. I'm sure, you know, it's harder as the, the higher level you get into. But it, it, it's for sure a very good experience, though, at the end when, like, you know, you look back at the season and you see the kids grow from what they were not just on the field, too, but, like, off the field as well. And you grow, you see them, the kids who are maybe were kind of friends before and now are good friends going into high school. Kids who were, like, kind of, like, you know, shaky at football and now are playing football in high school because they learned so much stuff. And then just seeing kids, you know, at the end of the year, too, like, they're like, oh, thanks for everything you taught me. Like, I know it was rude or I know it was mean, but they're like, you know, I'm going to miss you, that kind of yeah. stuff. That, I think that's, that's where it feels good, right? Yeah, but exactly. Yeah. That's where it feels good. It's like, you little, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but all right. Yeah. <laughs> I'll hug you, I guess. <laughs> that's fine. Uh,
1: so is there like a future in coaching for you or strictly you know you want to do, you want to be a reporter?
0: I mean, honestly, like, I don't know how many people go from coaching to reporting or reporting right. to coaching. I, I think it'd be cool, like, if I could do all three, you know, from the reporting To scouting and then you know had a chance to coach as well. I I think it'd be cool to coach probably high school, maybe college, but I would never want to do like a big college. Maybe something like I'm a huge fan of underdogs, so I don't want to coach like the UCI's or like even the school I attended to Sacramento State, that kind of stuff. And just um, you know, try my luck at that. I guess more like a smaller levels and maybe try and upset a team here here or there, like every now and then. But you know, I don't know because I feel yeah. like there's a lot of pressure too if you were yeah. to go to the Alabama or the right, Clemson oh, or oh, yeah. like so the yeah. Yeah. USC <laughs> like, yeah, yeah you're like oh shit I don't want yeah. to be here
1: so, so like with, with all those sports interests and careers you have mm-hmm. what's your dream job I mentioned mine like what are yours
0: I get I mean all three um, but like if I had to pick one mm-hmm. for sure being just like a sports broadcaster play by play calling college football college basketball games you know in their respective seasons mm-hmm. uh, maybe doing a little Little League World Series in the summer no pro that'd be cool I like pro, but I do. I like college more. I just watch them growing yeah. up. Watching, I feel like the level of what the heck just happened happens a lot more in college football and yeah. basketball, right? Just think about March Madness. Yeah. That's like a whole oh, yeah. month of that, that right? Where yeah. it's like the we had a 16 seed beat the one seed for the first time ever two years ago, mm-hmm. and then the following year that same one seed who was upset won the championship. So was it that that Chicago team that did that? Um, no, Chicago went all the way to the final okay. four. But they were 11 seed, which was pretty big for them as well. But it was um, University of Maryland, Baltimore County, okay. That? UMBC. Okay, that's what it, that's what their initials were. But yeah, you just there's a lot more excitement. Where sometimes I feel like it'd be cool to do pro, but I feel like sometimes pro there's not as excitement. The better team usually wins, right? And oh, absolutely. Then, you know what I mean like look at the Patriots? They've been dominant, but they've been also the better team for this past two decades. Right. So college football definitely more excitement. You know, like on any given Saturday, like. That's what the session, right? I need mm-hmm. to give in Saturday. You know, team can lose, a top 10 team can lose to a nobody Syracuse or a nobody Harvard or a nobody, like, North Texas, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I yeah. agree. Yeah,
1: you're on the right path, too. Yeah. You know, because you got UCI right now, right? Do some broadcasting. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. exactly.
0: So just trying to do stuff like that. I guess that would be my goal. I would like to, you know, maybe coach for four or five years here and there, scout, mm-hmm. maybe when I'm retired and my voice kind of goes, like, you know, retire or yeah. – Retire and then go and get into scouting or something like that. But I think that'll be fun. Yeah. You know.
1: Keep looking on uh, Teamwork Online. Mm-hmm. I saw, like, notification just today for, like, a scouting manager. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't for a team. it's for, like, some company
0: I haven't heard of. But, like, just, I mean, just stuff like that. Got you gotta get through the door, learn mm-hmm. the
1: ropes, and see from there.
0: Yeah, it's a huge – especially with all the websites, like, the Rivals, the 24-7, the um, – there's uh, scout.com. And, you know what I mean? Like, there's a yeah. lot of different publications online. Always – you know, basically the other job is to scout high school players for colleges. Yeah. And, you know, I'm sure, you know, like even max preps and that kind of stuff. Yeah.
1: Man, it's a tough job, though, man. Because, mm-hmm. like, I, I looked into it for a little bit, too, because scouting is actually one stepping stone to become a GM. Because, yeah, of like, course. You, learn, you learn all the players, learn the business, you learn, you know, just your rules in the department go up, you know. And it's a tough job, man, because you really don't make that much. Mm-hmm. You, you make, ugh. A little less than probably 50 grand a year, but you're traveling yeah, everywhere. right? You know, you're working 24 seven just to make, you know, a modest little below 50 grand, you know? <laughs> Right. But it's a
0: tough job, man. Mm. I really like to scout for basketball or baseball too. Get my foot feet wet in that as well, just cause I know you do get to travel more internationally, right? There's a lot of baseball players who come from Japan, um, Venezuela, Colombia, Dominican Republic, Puerto Rico, that kind of stuff. And basketball players who come from all around the world, too. Mm-hmm. Europe, South America, Africa, even. Yeah. You know, so it's kind of it's kind of cool to just get, like, you know... He's well-traveled and he's experienced yeah, in all those other countries. Though. Exactly. But also working at the same time, Absolutely. you know, and doing what you like and yeah. being around the sports that you like. Yeah. Do you, do you want to, uh, like, have a family eventually? Uh, yeah, I would. Yeah. I, mean, I want to have... You know, I wanted a big family, but I think it'd be hard to do all that stuff with yeah. a big family. So I think, you know, if I just had a wife and one kid, that'd yeah. be kind of cool.
1: When I was in my master's program, um, one of our guest speakers was actually a scout and now coach for Atlanta Falcons. I'll see if he's still, mm-hmm. I'll still if he's still like <laughs> coaching for them. But um, so he shared his story. Mm-hmm. Um, his name was Charlie Jackson, um, and he was a scout. So he talked about how he got in. You know, he got in pretty much like just literally walking up to them, being like, "I want to work anything." Um, to, Non-paid, I was One his business, you know, kind of did it that way. So finally got his chance. So, He told the story and just like, it's it's hard to have a family because he had a wife. Yeah, I'm not sure he had a kid then or not, but he had a wife still. So it's still a family, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's hard because like yeah. you're constantly gone. You know, like you, like you miss your wife. Your wife misses you. You're traveling all the all the time. Mm-hmm. So one takeaway he says like, if you want to do pursue this life, it's it's just hard on the family. Oh yeah, for you sure. Like, you're, you're away all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I was like, with me, like like yourself, I, I want to be a family man. Yeah, I, I, I want to be, a, I want to be a great husband. I want to be a great dad. I want yeah. all that stuff because that's that's true happiness right there. Mm-hmm. You know, so when your job or your career takes that away from you, it, it hurts. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like how bad do you want it? It's like like everyone who wants to be in sports wants to be in sports. Yeah, everyone wants to move up. Everyone wants to be that that big figure and like just be prominent in sports. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, your personal life is. Should be more important than anything, because mm-hmm. you know? that's
0: going to keep you happy, right? Especially at work, because exactly. if your personal life's not that great, like you could you know, it'll suffer at work. Exactly.
1: So now you're playing this just back and forth game of, God, oh, man, career, wife, uh, job, my kid. You know, mm-hmm. I want to see his games, her games. You know, mm-hmm. anything. Yeah. so it's just it's rough so it's one of the things he taught us and kind of just resonated to me It's like oh man do I want to do those kind of jobs but mm-hmm. you know but that's all in the future you know, I, th- I think it's the future way too much
0: I Right. Really do. same here yeah. I try to live more in the moment I think it, it is all difficult but I read a book by Al Michaels it's mm-hmm. basically an autobiography um, and you know who Al Michaels is right oh, yeah. you know he, he kind of went through the same thing around this age like the age that I am he was probably a little younger but he got in you know he was doing the same thing he, was, he got into like TV shows and then He was constantly, his goal was always to get into sports and he finally did. But then even when he did, he was the Reds for two years and then he went back to San Francisco and then he was with, he was traveling all kind of all across the country, but had a very supportive wife. And then, you know, finally when he, he, he had kids and they were really young and the wife had to do a lot of work, but then he finally did get to make like a very almost stable position where he can live in one place. He wasn't traveling all the time and bouncing between, you know, jobs and like not bouncing between jobs, but you know right. like when his contract would come up it was like on to the next place mm-hmm. you know he got he had like you know a set livable wage and that kind of stuff but it was kind of cool to hear his story how he would still be able to be involved with his kids to a certain extent he was still able to have the wife he's still able to have that like happy marriage and the happy from his perspective right it, it's right. very happy and stuff like that and he was able to do all that while still being one of the best broadcasters of all time you know doing football doing the Olympics doing all kinds of stuff, working with Bill Costas and then, right. you know, all the guys he's worked, John Madden and stuff like that. So, you know, it's been, it's really cool to hear his side of the story. And he has his a great book. career and probably, mm-hmm.
1: he's, probably now he's able to live it up a little bit better. You know, he's yeah. still really busy, but like, you know, like he could, re- like if he does retire, he could retire knowing he's good. Yeah, You know, exactly. like all that hard work paid off, now he could, you know, Heck yeah. like fulfill his life and, be happy with his wife kids now and just like live life he wants to live now yeah um but that story reminds me of um, a similar subject of who's the second string guy on the on the um eagles quarterback josh McCown. Cown, josh McCown. so so josh McCown um reported he'll come out of retirement to be in the eagles only if he could fly out of uh i mean fly back home every friday to coach his son's high school team oh no way so i thought when i read that i like that's incredible because mm-hmm. here's a guy who's retired. He's good. He's happy. You know, he's with his family. He's coaching his sons. You know, being the father figure. But you know, the team needed him. Want to come out? But he says, "I'm not coming back until, unless I have to go back home every Friday to coach my sons." You know, team. Mm-hmm. I was like, "That's great." And like, moral story is that's what makes him happy. Yeah. You know, like just like these players have happiness post football, mm-hmm. post career, and a lot of these players really do just want to spend time doing what they want to do. Or be with your family. Mm-hmm. And, but, but the fact that he was able to, you know, balance it out, like you said, with Al Michaels. Mm-hmm. Um, it's incredible. You know? It's a good story. I thought it was good for him. That's cool. Yeah. You know? Able to have a job, play, be stable, but also... He probably gets flight out, too. It's like... This deal is probably like, well, you pay for me to go back. Exactly. Like, a- every week I oh, got to yeah. pay this? No, that's not part of the deal. You pay for me to go back home, and then I'll play again for that's you That's cool to have that kind of leverage, yeah. man. Right, exactly. So when yeah. I read that, I'm like, that, that's a cool story of just, mm-hmm. like, you know, balancing, you know, your happiness,
0: but also with your job and stuff. But Even in the NBA, just to kind of wrap it up, LeBron James kind of did a similar thing, right? I mean, he's always lived in Los Angeles. His kids live in Los Angeles. They're about to hit high school, or his oldest one is about to hit high school. And he wants to be more involved, so I – you know, even though the decisions the Lakers made came out as a shock of some. And then, you know, the, the diehard Kobe fans don't like LeBron coming. And there's just a lot of, you know, things yeah. at stake when he did come to Los Angeles. But at the end of the day, there's a huge family move. And, like, you see it when he posted the Taco Tuesday things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's going to be able to spend more time with his kids but also play basketball at the same time. Yeah. So I think, you know, I applaud stuff like that, seeing players do stuff like that. I guess going back to Andrew Luck's situation, too, just doing things in their best self-interest as far as the family as far as the home life because that's what's going to really make you happy you know? absolutely
1: and, and to wrap this up to it's, it's human nature to want to give back or mm-hmm. like be happy and, and feel fulfilled and satisfied with your own life because these players get into the league all hyped up like I'm, I finally made it mm-hmm. all my hard work is accomplished I, I'm the less than 1% to make it to the NFL league I want to make this money <laughs> you know like, yeah. I want to I be you know financially independent ish you know <laughs> um, I want to you know just do these things you, what you get for being an NFL player or just a sports figure. But after a while, through experience, you're kind of like, well, now I want to fulfill this other part of human nature. And that's just, I give him back. I want to go back to my roots. I want to go back to my values. I want to, you know, just be happy and satisfied and mm-hmm. live life in happiness in which these players, like you mentioned, are now finally able to do. Right. And that's, the name of the game—that's our human nature calling. so want to yeah. that eventually.
0: That's the beauty of it. It really is balance. Balance of both. It really is balance. even even for us. Even if we're not like at that level, we still got to find yeah, balance.
1: Exactly. We're striving towards
0: it. And we'll we'll get there. Appreciate you having you on the show, man. Absolutely. Thank you. Isn't great. Hey, Noah Alvarez here again. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the My Mike and I podcast. A friendly reminder: this podcast is available. On Apple, on Spotify, on SoundCloud, on TuneIn, Stitcher. Uh, Man, if if there's any other platforms that you guys do listen to podcasts to and you don't see it on there, um, feel free to reach out to me. Follow me on Twitter at underscore Noah Alvarez or on Instagram at Noha, N-O-H-A underscore Alvarez. Or follow the My Mike and I podcast page on Instagram as well, my period Mike and period I Um, I'm just really trying to expand this podcast as much as I can, I got some great interviews coming out on deck for y'all, I mean it's really going all gas no breaks at this point guys, I mean this podcast has really grown organically and I'm super excited with the direction this is headed in And, and you know I'm busy, I've been facing adversity and I'm just sometimes I feel like I have so much shit on my plate that my life is gonna like burst into flames at times but This podcast really just kind of helps me. And even though I may be tired, even though I may be recording this at freaking 1 a.m., it don't matter. I'm going to keep going and I'm going to keep going hard because that's what we do here at the My Mike and I podcast. All right, guys. Noah Alvarez of the My Mike and I podcast signing off. Until next time.